It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily Dallas Cowboys podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On. Locked On. Locked Locked On. Locked Locked On. Welcome to another edition of the Locked On Crossover Podcast. I am your host, Marcus Mosier of Locked On Cowboys. Today with me is Corbin Smith of Locked On Seahawks, and we are excited uh, to preview the Cowboys-Seahawks Week 3 matchup. Uh, This episode of the Locked On Crossover Podcast is presented by Visa. Help support your local businesses, whether they're your corner stores, your coffee spots, or your favorite shops. Local businesses have been there on your team supporting you and your community. But right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, the official partner of the NFL. As I mentioned at the top, we're here with Corbin Smith. You can follow him on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. Uh, Corbin, how are you doing today, sir? I'm great, Marcus. Looking forward to talking about this matchup. It seems like these teams always have really close games when they get together. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I think this is a, a great test for the Cowboys because I think we were talking about this on uh, one of our earlier shows in the Lockdown Cowboys podcast that we think that Seattle might be the best team in the NFC. Uh, so this is going to be a great chance for the Cowboys to judge themselves. Um, Corbin, I want to ask you some uh, questions about this Seahawks team before uh, we get too much into it. Let, let's start with Russell Wilson. It seems Pete Carroll, through the first two weeks of the season, has finally embraced letting uh, Russell Wilson cook. Uh, tell us about just how great Russell has been in the first two games of the season. Well, he's on pace for 72 passing touchdowns. I think that's the first thing I would start out with. Now, he's not going to hit that number, but he's certainly looking like he is capable of getting into the 40s. Maybe even he could push for the record because the way he's slinging the ball around the yard and he's got a budding star in DK Metcalf on the outside. Tyler Lockett's already been a star that still somehow – continues to be under the radar after having his first Mm -hmm. thousand yard season last year so you got those two weapons greg olson didn't necessarily have a very good sunday night game the other day but i think he's going to bounce back here moving forward he and russell wilson have looked pretty good together too so they've got a lot of weapons around him the offensive line this was kind of my hunch they were finally going to do this this year that they were going to put the ball in russell's hand some of the decisions that they made with that group up front, they let Jermaine Effetti go. They brought Brandon Shell in, who isn't necessarily a elite right tackle, but he is much better in pass protection 
than Jermaine Effetti was, does not get penalized near as much. And their rookie, their right guard, Damian Lewis, was underrated in pass pro at LSU, and he is a mauler. So he checks off both those boxes for them. He's been one of the best rookies in the NFL in the first two weeks of the season. And so that has really been an indicator to me that this team was heading towards throwing the ball more, bringing in Greg Olson, who was a guy Russell Wilson openly recruited once he was released from the Panthers. And so they've put all those weapons around him, and all he's done is thrown nine touchdowns in two games. He's completed little over 80 percent of his passes so far as well his one interception should have been a completion and greg olson just didn't catch it taken back to the house a freebie for the patriots they overcame that to still win that game on sunday night so he's just been special and it's gotten to the point where the ridiculous throws that he makes i can't really use the term ridiculous anymore because he just he does it he does it all the time it's ordinary and Mm -hmm. so he he right now is just playing special football and it's a lot of fun to watch yeah, it is fun to watch, except for I'm, I'm not necessarily looking forward to it on Sunday because there's, there are going to be five, six throws in this game uh, that he completes where you just have to you know tip your hat to him because he's just that special of a player. Um, Corbin, I actually don't have a lot of questions about the offense. It's more about the defense. Um, you know, when the Cowboys have prepared for Seattle in the past, uh, it's almost always been against, you know, one of the top defenses in the league. You're always wondering how can you get to 20 points. On paper, at least, it doesn't seem like this defense is quite as scary as it has been uh, over the last several years. Uh, one of the biggest weaknesses of the Seahawks defense? you got to start with the pass rush and end with the pass rush. And now you lose Bruce Irvin for the season. That only makes it worse. And Pete Carroll's been very optimistic about this. And when I went back and watched the All-22 film from last Sunday's game against New England, it did seem like the pass rush was a little better than I thought it was during the game real time. They had opportunities to sack Cam Newton, but Cam Newton is just a beast. He's so difficult Mm -hmm. to get down. But when Jamal Adams is generating almost 50% of your pressures, that's a real problem. I mean, he's an outstanding blitzer, and you want to maximize that skill set. So they're going to keep bringing him off the edge. They're going to bring him up the middle. They're going to do all kinds of stuff with him because he's a unique player and you want to take advantage of that. But that front line has really struggled. I have seen some flashes from LJ Collier who made that huge stop on on that run on fourth down the other night too. He's starting to show off a little bit the last couple of weeks, but Benson Mayo has been hit and miss. They haven't played their fifth round pick Alton Robinson yet. He's been inactive the first two games, which is been extremely baffling to me because he had a fantastic training camp and with their issues off the edge I thought this kid can come in and play right away and yet they haven't given him the chance now that Irvin's out I expect he's gonna be playing here they're not getting much of an interior rush ironically their best pass rusher on the defensive line the first two weeks has been a 350 pound defensive tackle in Brian Monet he's got a 23 percent pass rush win rate according to ESPN from the defensive tackle position which is in the top 10 at that spot so that's really surprised me but that's that's telling you where their pass rush is at right now that he is probably the best one that they've had in terms of efficiency so, unfortunately, Seattle did suffer a few injuries last week. You mentioned Bruce Irvin. The other one that you didn't mention was Marquise Blair. Big one. Uh, the second-year safety out of Utah. How does that impact the defense? What, what is Seattle going to do now without Blair on the team? Well, Ugo Amadi stepped in for him the other night, and I thought Ugo played really well. He had eight tackles. He had a tackle for a loss on a run play that ended up forcing the Patriots to settle for a field goal, and they missed it, which was really big in this game. 
they would have had a chance to kick a game-winning field goal at the end if that was the case. But uh, he made some really nice plays. He had a couple of times in coverage that he was glued all over receivers, and Cam Newton just simply beat the coverage. And you got to take your hat off to these quarterbacks sometimes. That was the best I've seen Cam Newton throw the football in his I career. It, it, to be honest with you, that was the best I've seen him. It looked like his mechanics were better. So. Ugo played really well. They're going to be counting on him to take those nickel snaps, and they're going to be playing maybe a little bit more base defense too because rookie Jordan Brooks, the first-round pick out of Texas Tech, he's going to replace Bruce Irvin this week, and I'm really excited to see what he can do. At the same time, I'm worried about the Dallas Cowboys circling a rookie making his first start Mm. and trying to pick on him. He's a very talented player, but – First start, playing against a really good offense with a lot of skilled players is a bit concerning. But Ugo Amadi, I think, is going to be ready when they're in those nickel sets. Yeah, so you, you took the question right out of my mouth. Uh, we've been hearing, hearing some reports over the last couple of days that Jordan Brooks is going to start. Uh, Seattle does like to play a lot of base defense. And I'm curious what they're going to do in this game because the Cowboys' base offense is 11 personnel with three receivers on the field. They're going to be lined up in that 85, 86% of the time. And when they're not in 11 personnel, it's going to be 12 personnel with two tight ends. And a lot of times those guys are you know, flexed out wide. So if the Cowboys are in 11 personnel a ton in this game, what do you anticipate Seattle doing? Who's going to play in the slot? I think you mentioned Amadi. Um, how do you think like Quentin Dunbar and Shaquille Griffin uh, match up against these Cowboys receivers? So I would be honest with you, when you're looking from a talent standpoint, I think Seattle's got the corners to be able to at least compete with Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper, and CeeDee Lamb. But this is a secondary that without a preseason, without a normal training camp, without OTAs, they are still trying to mesh. And that's the other thing Pete Carroll has said, you know, trying to calm people with the panic of how many yards they're giving up the first two games look, we've got a secondary that's got a lot of new pieces in here, and we just played almost an entire game without Quandre Diggs at free safety, which was a huge deal. Getting him back for this game is going to be massive against a team that loves to throw the ball around, has all that talent on the outside, and so I like the matchups. I think I disagreed with my co-host on this. Rob Rang thinks we're going to play a bit more base defense. I would hedge bets that they're still going to be playing quite a bit of nickel in this game because of what Dallas likes to do with 11 personnel. And as you mentioned, splitting the tight ends out, those spread looks. You're you're also not going to want to have Jordan Brooks on the field for 75, 80 percent of the plays in his first start. Yeah, they're just they might they might not have a choice but to play nickel in this game with how often the Cowboys are going to be in eleven personnel. I know, I mean, Brooks is a, a fantastic player and has a ton of athleticism, but I don't think you're going to want him in coverage against C.D. Lamb that often, or you know, at least that's. It seems it like right? that would be the matchup I would want to exploit if I was the Cowboys. If I was Kellen Moore, I'd be circling that, and that's again, I think Amadi played really well the other night, but he was going against Julian Edelman and mm. Demir Bird. So he was going against different sized receivers and Edelman had most of his success against Jamal Adams, ironically, but in Adams defense, he wasn't getting much help from the other safety and Lano Hill was doing the best he can. He's just, he's not a free safety. <laughs> so right. that just put him in a tough spot schematically. All right. So we're going to flip this around and you're going to ask me some questions about the, the Cowboys. But before we do that, I want to tell you guys about rock auto rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts to customers online for 20 years they have everything from engine control modules and brake parts motor oil and even new carpet whether it's for your classic or your daily driver get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door the rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate 
Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices that you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low, and they're the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Corbin, the floor is yours. Go ahead. All right, I'm really looking forward to this game, and I got to start off talking about Dak Prescott because the Cowboys unable to reach a long-term agreement with him up to this point. He's on the franchise tag coming off the best season of his career. And he goes out, the Falcons get that 20, nothing lead. And then I asked Bobby Wagner about this yesterday. I said, what is the difference that you've seen in Dak Prescott from when you first played against him as a rookie to now? And he immediately said, it's the poise. And you could see that leading his team back to that stunning comeback 40 to 39 victory over the, Falcons last week so I guess I'm going to lead off with that question for you being a Cowboys analyst maybe you can dive in a little bit deeper here but when you look at the progress that Dak Prescott has made from a few years ago and Seattle got to see him in the preseason his rookie year they knew right away yeah. that this guy was going to be a talented quarterback in this league Pete Carroll mentioned it after that preseason game that that kid is going to be really good going back to then to now as far as his command of the offense command of the huddle what has been the biggest difference as far as what you've seen from him growth-wise and development-wise under center for the Cowboys? Yeah, I think Bobby Wagner hit the nail on the head, right? I think the poise is certainly improved, but he has always been a, a poise quarterback. But, you know, early on in his career, like in 2016, um, he was a lot of times the the a product of his environment, right? He had a really good offensive line in 2016. The run game was fantastic. They had a, a you know a good set of receivers and a, a skilled tight end in Jason Witten. As the years have gone on since that 2016 season, the talent has deteriorated some around him, right? Uh, the offensive line isn't quite as good. Um, for a, a few years there, the receivers weren't as good. You know, the tight ends have dropped off. Ezekiel Elliott isn't as he isn't as explosive as he was early on in his career. Um, and you look at what he did in Week Two against Atlanta. Two undrafted, you know, rookie tackles in Terrence Steele and Brandon Knight, a new center in Joe Looney, who at best is average, a below average left guard in Connor Williams. And all Dak Prescott did was throw for 450 yards with a backup tight end on the field. Uh, he is now somebody who is elevating the players around him. And that's what good quarterbacks do. I mean, you guys know this with Russell Wilson. That offensive line in Seattle has been atrocious for the, for the longest time. But he's been able to produce despite it. That's what Dak Prescott is starting to do, to do now. He's starting to manipulate the pocket. He's starting to use his eyes to uh, get defenders to go in certain situations, or get, to get them to go in certain directions uh, to create passing lanes. Uh, Prescott is just becoming a, a far more polished passer. 
And, you know, us in the Cowboys community and Cowboys Twitter, we're, we're on the edge of where the Seahawks were with Russell Wilson. We want Dak to cook. We want the Cowboys to throw the ball in every first down. They don't need a running game to hold his hand anymore. They can, Dak can do this by himself, open up the offense, and this is suddenly a far more dangerous team. But uh, in terms of what Dak has looked like now compared to 2016, it's night and day. Yeah, I can see that on the film, too. And honestly, last year you could see it. But I'm glad that you mentioned the offensive line. I don't want to dive too deep into that. But this is not the group that they had a couple years ago that was the vaunted offensive line that they had that was many viewed to be the best in the league. And Mm -hmm. Tyron Smith was banged up. He didn't play this past week. He's still out at practice this week. As far as I knew from the Wednesday practice report was not able to see today's uh dude some other things going today on. either nope. did not practice today either so how concerned are you even with the seahawks the issues they've had rushing the passer if you're playing two backup undrafted rookie tackles against this team and you've got a defensive mastermind and pete carroll on the other side that is probably licking his lips with that kind of matchup how concerned are you with those tackles trying to go up against what the seahawks could potentially bring not just with their first four but you also got to worry about Jamal Adams yeah so you know that phrase the uh, immovable object versus the unstoppable force I think this is the opposite of that right the movable object versus the stoppable force right the Cowboys offensive line is not very good the Seattle's pass rush isn't very good either so uh, if this was if this was a typical Seahawks pass rush I would be really worried Um, but Brandon Knight and Terrence Steele last week were at least adequate and I think against Demontre Moore and Benson Mayowa and LJ Collier uh, I think they're going to be okay where they could have problems are when Seahawks sends additional guys right can they pick up Jamal Adams on blitzes and then on stunts luckily the Cowboys do have Ezekiel Elliott who is one of the best pass protecting running backs in the league they'll keep him in uh, to block Dak can make some you know he can make throws with guys around him he can make guys miss in the side of the pocket um, but he's going to have to do that a lot in this game. Uh, I, I, the offensive line won't hold up all for all four quarters. There's going to be leaks. There's going to be pressure. Um, it's just something they're going to have to deal with. And luckily, I do think they have the players on the outside to beat Seattle if and when they do blitz. Uh, they have guys that can make plays after the catch. But yeah, expect the Cowboys offensive line to be a, a little bit of a problem and an issue um, on Sunday. I look at this as one of the bigger matchups to determining this game, and that's something we'll talk about here later on the show. But let's swing to the defensive side of the ball, because speaking of injuries, (laughs) Seattle has a pretty darn good receiving core, too, with DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. we got a rookie in sixth-round pick, Freddie Swain, who has been really impressive these first couple weeks, and I think he's going to get more opportunities. David Moore made one of the best touchdown catches I've ever seen on Sunday night football, getting both feet inside the pylon. He's got – Russell Wilson's got weapons all over the field and yet both of the Cowboys starting corners were out on Wednesday they're banged up and they've already been struggling to slow down receivers in the lineup and now there's the potential you could have those backups in there this has to be a very concerning situation for the Cowboys when you're going against the MVP front runner Russell Wilson and all the weapons that he's got at his disposal absolutely um the Cowboys cornerbacks when they're completely healthy aren't good when they're banged up, uh, it's they're pretty atrocious. Um, you know, even Trevon Diggs, their second-round rookie, who you know missed practice on Wednesday, did return today. 
Um, dealing with a shoulder injury, he's you know graded out very poorly by Pro Football Focus. Uh, Jordan Lewis, who has just come back uh, from a high ankle sprain, was awful in week two. Uh, he's an undersized corner with not a ton of speed, so not a great matchup against DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Uh, and then you know they're going to actually have to move Daryl Worley who's played some safety for them in the first two weeks of the season. They're going to have to move him from strong safety to outside cornerback. Uh, and that makes you a little nervous because while he does have some size to potentially match up with DK Metcalf, this is somebody who ran a 4.66 at the combine, uh, doesn't have a lot of long speed. So if he happens to get into a one-on-one situation with Metcalf, uh, that could be all she wrote for this Cowboys defense. It's not particularly good. They don't force a lot of turnovers. They don't get a lot of sacks. Um, they do have some some talent up front in their edge rushing uh, unit. Um, but the Cowboys are hoping to hold Seattle to 28, 30 points. If they can hold them to somewhere around there, maybe their offense is, is good enough to win. But uh, it, it's a pretty weak defensive unit right now. And you just led me perfectly into my last question here because there's all the question marks about the secondary but you added Everson Griffin a player that Seahawks fans were pushing for for months wanting Pete Carroll to reunite with his former USC recruit they wanted to bring him back you've got Alden Smith that came back from the longest semi-forced retirement that I've ever seen in my life and he's got a sack as well but he might be their best defensive player right now, to be honest. Yeah, that's that was how, what I was gonna. That was what I was gonna ask you because when I watch the film, it seems like he might be the most disruptive guy that they've got yeah. on that front line right now, and that's not good. <laughs> when you have a guy that hasn't played since 2015, and and obviously he was a very talented player, and he's still decent. He's playing well, but yeah. Everson Griffin's not giving you a ton. Demarcus Lawrence has been banged up. How surprised have you been that this pass rush has been as lackluster as it has been these first couple weeks? Uh, it, it is a little surprising considering the names. Now, the Cowboys did make an adjustment this week in practice that we'll see on the field in week three. In the first two games of the season, the Cowboys have been using a lot of 3-4 looks with Everson Griffin and Demarcus Lawrence standing up as edge rushers. Both of those guys have complained in the last week that that's just not something they're comfortable with. They're making a lot of false steps. Uh, it appears the Cowboys are going to be allowing those guys to get back into three-point stances, allowing them to fire off the ball from defensive end spots. Uh, I expect both of those guys to be better this week. Um, but back to Alden Smith, probably their best defender. And that's not even a you know an understatement because he's the only one that can generate pressure. He's the only one that can make stops in the run game. Jalen Smith has been pretty atrocious this year. Joe Thomas, who the team actually released two weeks ago, has been their best defender, uh, best linebacker, excuse me. It, it's just not a good unit, but they're relying on turnovers and takeaways and sacks. Uh, if they can get one or two in this game, they'll give themselves a chance, but uh, it's a it's a mash unit right now on the defensive side of the ball, and it's a, it's a group that just doesn't have a lot of talent right now. Yeah, I think that you right now when you look at these two teams against each other, I'm really curious to see what you think about predictions and how this game is going to unfold because it seems like both teams certainly have some major dents in their armor, so to speak, two weeks in. And they've obviously got explosive offenses, but it actually seems like these teams mirror each other in a lot of ways, even though Seattle doesn't really have an excuse with their secondary from a talent perspective. And they've been healthy. They did have Quandre Diggs out for almost all of week two, but they don't have the excuses that they've got guys banged up. They don't have inexperienced players. But like I said, in a lot of ways, these teams seem very similar in their trajectory going into week three. 
Yeah, I would agree. Um, let's let's make some game predictions, Corbin. But before we do that, I want to tell you guys about my bookie. Invest in your intuition. Use promo code Locked On and double your first deposit. New players get up to one thousand dollars in free play. Designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Your winning season begins today only at MyBookie. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Corbin, um, I'll go ahead and go first. I'll give you my prediction of this game. I think if Dallas was 100% healthy and they had their tackles and they had Leighton Van Der Esch and Sean Lee, I think I might pick them just because of the overwhelming amount of talent on both sides of the ball, but that's not the case. Um, The Cowboys are hoping to be healthy, and I think there's a chance that we get a Cowboys-Seahawks matchup in the playoffs and we get some of those guys back, Um, but I'm going to take Seattle in this game. I'm going to say Seattle 35-27. to Uh, I just think Seattle is one of the best teams in the league right now. They have arguably the best quarterback in the league, an MVP candidate, uh, their offense is cooking right now, so expect this game to be close. Uh, I'll take Pete Carroll and some of the, you know all of the continuity they have up there. Uh, who do you expect to win this game and why? So I have a little bit different reasoning behind this, but I, I think the Seahawks are going to win this one. I think they're going to win it fairly easily, and it's not because the Cowboys don't have weapons, because they do. Dak Prescott scares me. The weapons they got on the outside scare me. Ezekiel Elliott always seems to break one or two big runs against this defense, and that's been one thing about the ironically – Going into the year, I thought the defensive tackle depth was going to be a real problem for the Seahawks, and I worried about that run defense, but they actually have been very stout in that regard. They're going to get tested, though, with Ezekiel Elliott. So I expect this is going to be a back-and-forth affair with both offenses humming, but I think the big difference here, Seattle has all of that talent in the secondary. At some point, that is going to start coming together. That's a group that's still trying to learn how to play together. Quentin Dunbar got his first pick last week. He's had two other ones that he's dropped. He knows Dak Prescott really well. I just think that they are going to be in a much better position to be able to potentially generate turnovers. And I think they're going to find ways, even if they have to blitz a little bit to make it happen, I think they're going to find ways to take advantage of the tackle injury situation. If if Tyron Smith is able to turn it around and play this week, then maybe that changes things. But if you've got two backup undrafted rookies in there at the tackle positions, I think Pete Carroll is going to find a way to manufacture an effective enough pass rush to maybe force Dak Prescott into a couple of bad decisions. And they've got the secondary players to make him pay for that. I think that's what makes this game have a decent spread in terms of point differential. I actually, I think the Seahawks put up a 40 burger in this game because interesting. Okay. Because here, Well, here's my logic. It's the secondary for Dallas. I, yeah. I just, yeah. I just think with the way Russell Wilson's throwing the football now, weather's going to be an impact here. I've seen some reports. They're going to have rain during the game. I've seen some that they're not. So I'm basing this off of the weather is going to be fairly decent to throw the football. But I think the Seahawks put up 
45 points in this game, and I think they're aided by a couple of turnovers that they get in timely fashion. I'm going to go 45 to 31 is my score. I think Dallas puts up plenty of points, but I think the defense for Seattle, as they've done the first two weeks, they're going to find a way to get a couple key stops or get a turnover or two in timely manner. You get the ball back to Russell Wilson in good field position to cook. It's going to be it's going to be bad news for that Cowboys defense. It's just quite frankly missing too many pieces. That is it for today's crossover between Locked On Cowboys and Locked On Seahawks. Uh, you can follow Corbin at Corbin Smith NFL. I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. Uh, we will see you next time. Enjoy Week Three. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.